your shows, your entertainment, and your network. This is Rant EM Here and we're on special location, but tomorrow night the atmosphere is going to be charged with total electricity and excitement as Super Brawl 3 takes place. And in just a moment, we're going to be talking to Barry Windham. The man is going up against the great Muda in Super Brawl 3 exclusively on pay-per-view for the NWA Heavyweight Championship. Barry, obviously, the NWA World Heavyweight Championship has a grand history behind it. Uh, you talk about people like Lou Fez, Dusty Rhodes, Jack Briscoe, but most of all, Ric Flair, the man who's held it the most times, uh, eight times in his career. Obviously, this man has to be an idol of yours. First of all, Gordon, uh, I didn't come here to talk about Ric Flair, and I don't have any kind of comment about Flair. And what I came here to talk about, the reason you're standing out here on the street, is so that we can talk about Muda. So let's talk about the great Muda right now, all right? Well, all right, all right, if that's what you want to do and you don't want to talk about Flair, let's talk about the great Muda then. Let's talk about Battle Bowl and Starcade 92. There were two of you left. He won. Listen, Gordon, I don't have to make excuses at all. And he didn't beat me. He drop kicked me out over the top rope. He never pinned me. Now, Muda is the NWA champion at this time. And granted, he did win the Battle Bowl. He won the ring. Now that's something that's new. It's something that matters to a lot of people. And at that time, it meant something to me. But it is not on scale with me with the NWA Championship. The NWA Championship is something that I've trained for my entire life and it's something that I want. Well, there's no question in my mind after watching you drive up and watching you compete in the last few weeks that you're obviously in the peak of condition. Bear in mind, however, that Muda did defeat Chono to win the NWA title, and uh, that was a major accomplishment. I believe that the people in Japan thought that Chono was undefeatable. Amuda is as good a wrestler as they get. He is the NWA heavyweight champion. But we've been over this, Gordon. We're here to talk about Muda, and we're here to talk about me for the NWA heavyweight championship match. Muda defeated me at Battle Bowl. We've already been over that. The NWA Championship is something completely different, Gordon. You've been around me long enough to know that this is something that I've always wanted throughout my whole career. The NWA Championship is something that has been around the waist of many great men, and Muda is one of them. But his day has come to leave town without the belt. The championship is gonna be around my waist because it's something that I've been destined to have, and it's something that I've trained my entire career for. I've had chances at this championship before, but it's been a long time coming since I've had a match. It's been years. I can count them on one hand, but that's a lot of years to wait on a championship. And this is one that I want, and it's one that I'm going to have. Well, may I just say that I've watched this young man since he was 19 years old when he first entered the ranks of professional wrestling. And I was talking to the late Fireball Roberts of NASCAR fame after he'd won a a championship in NASCAR, and he said, sometimes, Gordon, you have to take it to the ragged edge. I believe this man will take it to the ragged edge to win the NWA title. Well, Gordon, I think you kind of summed it up right there, because I'm going to take it to the edge, and I'm going to take Muda farther than he's ever been before, because this championship is going to be mine, and Muda, I'm going to take it any way that I can. 
Super Brawl 3, tomorrow night on pay-per-view. Late great Gordon Soli would say, "Ah ah!" And he hit him with a suplex. They don't make him like Gordon Soli anymore. That's for damn sure. Tuesday night, September twenty-first, two thousand twenty-one. Episode 705 of The Rant is officially live across the airwaves of Rant Entertainment Media. RantMRadio.com Tune in Radio, Stitcher, iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio. I'm sure some other places, damn it. Double A here at the post have been at the post for the last 30 minutes and right now being joined by as always tony c there you go and there we go hope you enjoyed the little marathon of uh wrestling themes as uh tony c uh did you haul ass or no you? man i was <laughs> you were driving at a normal pace absolutely of course you gotta you gotta obey the the laws of the state of florida the traffic laws because you can't you can't you can't speed up there in central florida folks it ain't possible just ain't possible uh it's another tuesday night lots to talk about lots to talk about lots to address some of it involving our very own lee champion because there was some commentary that we talked about uh, in the last, uh, I guess, 36 hours that uh, should be brought up on the air that it's, it's kind of interesting. You know? Yeah. Um, but let's uh, let's start by going around the room and see what's going on in everybody's personal lives. And with that, we say hello to Tony C. Tony C., what's going on? Hey, man. I ain't more spend more trying to stay out of the way. Uh-huh. You know, you get caught out. A little rain, shower, you know. Uh, you know. A little to everybody who, you know, going up in people's yard with COVID and almost getting the cops called, getting the cops called on. And that happened around 
my neck of the woods, you know. Uh-huh. So a lot of that happened. Um, we got in there. I don't know if we're celebrating any anniversaries, you know, say by the bill anniversary. Well, it's the, the, the fallout. But, yeah. Oh. What? Okay. Oh, I'm fine. That's what you gotta tell people sometimes. Yeah. I mean, just was. Yeah, come. Oh, man. Yeah, go. Exactly. Oh, don't jump. It's smooth. You know? Hmm. Let me find out double A know something about mystical. What was that? Let me find out you know something about that mystical now. Hey. You know, I I got uh, I I know a little here and there, so don't worry, don't worry. You got a little rap, got a little rap in your in your system, man. I see you. Oh man, um. I was looking to see if anything premiered tonight, but it looked like it's snuck slow night. Tomorrow's a tomorrow is when things uh, kick in the gear. Yeah, yeah, yeah big night. We got the colonists coming back. Holy Black is just coming back tomorrow. I'm not mistaken. Chicago PD, Chicago Wednesdays coming back tomorrow. Wonder Years, Black Wonder Years from here tomorrow. Predicting that probably only gonna get a season. Yeah. We'll have a good we'll have a good idea after the first episode of how good it is. Black Wonder Years might not make it, man. Yeah, I don't know. It's I thought it was set a little bit further up in the future than it was, but no, it's set in the same time period. Right. As the original series, which I don't know if I like. That's what I'm saying. Goldberg, Goldberg's premiering tomorrow. Yeah. We'll salute tomorrow. George Segal. Yeah, George Segal. How much you, you little punk, huh? Wow. Um, Just giving the both of some money to go play some video games. <laughs> oh, look who's talking. Don't touch me. How much did they pay you? Two dollars an hour? Yo, classic. George Seagal, man. Um, but we're going to see. Uh, this week Gremlins is on. Man. Who are you? I'm his father. Father? Are you, the, are you the sperm donor? What do you mean sperm donor? I'm the kid's father. No, he doesn't have a father. He's, he's from artificial insemination. But that's ridiculous. Molly and I have been going out for years. How do you think I have the key? I don't know, but we're changing it. Hey, hey. What? What? That's my kid in there. Please let me buy. Okay, if you're the father and that's your son, maybe you can answer a few questions for me, okay? When was he born? July 3rd. Okay, what's his favorite cereal? I don't know. Cheerios. What's his favorite stuffed animal, Fred or Barney? Fred. That's right. No, 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 Barney. How many diapers does he go through a day? About six. Who's his favorite rock star? Michael Jackson. Don't you think a father should know some of these things? All right, how much is she paying you? Five dollars an hour. Yeah, go play some video no, games. Give me that shit. Oh, 
Okay. Hey, hey, go to the body. Go to the body. Uh, you say it there. And then, of course, the fight afterwards was pretty legendary, too. Hold on. Because the, the ending was funny. Albert. Why was he here? Is he Mikey's father? What? You lied to me about the artificial insemination crap, didn't you? He was married. I wasn't supposed to tell anyone. Do you love him? Do you? What? Do you love him? I don't know. I don't know who I love. And you know something? It doesn't make any difference because the only thing that matters to me is who's best for Mikey. And Albert is successful, he's responsible, and he's real good to his other kids. I don't want him seeing Mikey anymore. Oh, no, they don't start pulling this on me. He's his son, and he has a right to see him anytime he wants to. Where the hell has he been all year? This has nothing to do with you. You are not his father. Well, I'm the closest thing that he's got to it. Oh, please, look at you. You're like a big kid. Oh, what, you really think you're responsible enough to be a father? Responsible? You, you call getting pregnant by a married guy responsible? Oh, that's good. Stop it. You stop. You stop it! No, you stop it. I've seen you. I've seen you use Mikey to push guys away, and now you're doing it to me. Here comes the best part. That's it. I've had it. Now get out! I live here! I know it! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I had it. scene is there I don't know if that scene is uh, you going through a selfish phase I'm going through and a destructive phase I'm going through a destructive phase uh, god damn it Molly <laughs> that's a $10,000 desk nice job This is somebody recording off the TV. Is he taking it down? No, he's thinking real hard. I've raised my kids. Raised them? They're 11 and 9. Don't tell me they've moved out and gotten jobs. That's awesome. Too much fruit. <laughs> That's my part, but too much fruit. <laughs> is he taking it down? No, he's thinking real hard. No, he's thinking really hard. Let me see if I can find a better, a better sounding version of that. But what fruit? They say that when they take them down. Too much fruit. 
<laughs> oh my god. Um, yeah, I guess we'll have to play that that crappy sounding one. <laughs> That of course commentary for the person that uploaded that video. Mm. Uh, God damn it, Molly. Let's try at this place. <laughs> Take that Tonto. Oh boy. Hey little boy, where's your grandma? <laughs> hey, thanks. Thanks, bro. Yeah, thanks for nothing. Oh man, that's funny. Too, so you too stick good. the bread, stick the thing, the whole right. Whoa. <laughs> There's. Of course. Did you eat all these candy bars today? God dang it. The mass is stolen by candy. Okay, we'll get you some more. Okay. That's horrible sounding quality, but whatever. The stole by candy. My husband told the extraordinary. <laughs> And he said, no problem. Well, that's wrong. <laughs> Man can't speak any English. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> you guys gonna be okay? You okay with him? Uh, yeah. Man. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, man, no grimace to this week. Dang. I guess I gotta take what I can get. Oh man. <clears throat> Anyways. Too much for him. Oh, too much for him. So, let's talk about certain things that's going on. So, Tony C staying out of the way. I was up in uh, up in O Town this past weekend, and uh, on the search for. Oh my God! Let me tell you. Put a little O-Town in the background, please. Yeah, thank you. I actually like their, their music during the boy van era, you know? I, I can admit that. I burned CDs in high school, so I don't listen to a lot of this crap. Anyways, so... I, um... I was in Orlando visiting that mouse. Let me tell you something. I had an incident happen to me, Tony C., in Epcot. And it was something that if I was an unscrupulous person, I could have gotten very litigious. So I'm standing there in one of these uh, halls. Um, so I could have gotten litigious. Exactly. You know, I like that. So I was standing in one of these like halls. And uh, I was waiting for the for the wife to uh, come out of the powder room, and 
I'm standing there, right? And uh, this is an area where you can order food. And I'm just standing there minding my business. And I'm looking around. And I'm looking at my phone and whatever. And all of a sudden, boom! This sign that was affixed to the wall falls on me. <laughs> And, uh, and I was like, uh, okay. It was a menu board, you know, with, with what they're selling. It just fell on me. Now, of course, I, like I said, I, if I was an unscrupulous person, I could have gotten litigious and been a made man after that, you know, because that, that rat's got deep pockets. But unfortunately, I can't get very far when what fell on me was a magnetic sign. It was a peel sign. So it weighed all of three and a half pounds. So yeah, but, uh, but yeah. So I was up in Orlando and I drove, uh, I left Orlando late on Saturday, but I did drive by the, the uh, White Castle. Man, was there traffic. There was no traffic, but man, was there a line. A line like no other. And it was raining, drizzling. And, uh, it was late as it was, and there was no way I was going to get in that line. I would have left Orlando at 2 o'clock in the morning. Um, so next time I go... That's on the bucket list to uh, to um, to go to White Castle and try maybe Portillo's, which opened right next door to White Castle. You want to deal with uh, want to deal with those lines, man. Well, when I have time, I, I I'll deal with it. I did get my Freddies. Tony C saw the evidence, the proof. I, I got myself a handful of Freddies, and. Um, it was great. Oh, it was great. Yeah. Now, I was uh, I did a little uh, uh, journalistic investigating, though, Tony C. And uh, as I was coming up, um, what is that? Uh, uh, 592 or whatever it is. 535. Something like that. Some bullshit like that. Where the oh, Waffle House is. Where the Waffle House is on the corner across from Disney. Uh, that's 192. 192. That's Vineland Road. Vineland Road, okay. Yeah. So coming up, you know how there was that huge shopping center there across from Disney? Yep. There was a, there was a Buffalo Wild Wings. There was an Uno's Pizza, which is where we got pizza the time you and I uh, did the show in Orlando. A huge shopping center with a whole bunch of things. Shopping center is completely closed. All the places closed down. When Dixie over there? Uh, there was a 24-hour supermarket, I think. But either way, the city of Orlando enforced an, an or not the city, the state of Florida, enforced an eminent domain claim against the property, evicted everybody, and is going to tear down the entire plaza so that they can expand, I guess, that exit of uh, on I-4. But this is what I learned. The majority of the tenants that were in that plaza are moving 
to the White, White Castle Plaza. Once all the rest of the buildings are put up. That makes sense. So, uh, so yeah. There was a McDonald's there, a Chevy's. Um, there's a lot of places there. Yeah, right. So, but, uh, so, very, very uh, interesting to find that it was also kind of freaky to see all those. That it, and it, it's, it's very rare that you see an active, vibrant shopping center go dark. And everything is, and everybody's evicted, you know? It's very weird to see that. But uh, that's, that was my trip in Orlando, and then, uh, and then that was it, you know? I came back, I got here at almost 3 o'clock in the morning on Sunday, and uh, here we are. And I found out that uh, Smart Food Popcorn, you know, the people that make that, that white cheddar popcorn that's oh so good, put out a flavor mm-hmm. of uh, Krispy Kreme glaze and uh, cinnamon sugar donuts. No thank you. That's all I can say mm. after I tasted it. And, uh, and, and I gotta, I gotta get on Lee a little bit because we got, Lee won't argue condiments with me. Lee put his foot down and he says, I'm not getting into this argument about condiments with you. And, uh, and we found out that Lee, uh, is one of those people that drowns his pancakes and waffles in syrup. Or at least I learned. Bathe, he bathe. bathes it in syrup, and I'm the person that does not believe in bathing your waffles or your pancakes in syrup. So Lee now won't uh, won't get into it with me over my uh, over his pancake, uh, whatever, portillos, portillos. You know, I'm Hispanic, so, so so that double L is a Y. Parti- Partillos. Anyways. You talking about the place that's next to uh, the White Castle? Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, I thought it was called Portillos. It's, port, it's Portillos, but Portillo, it, I think it's Portillo. pronounced Portillos. But it might be Portillo. I don't know. But, uh, but yeah, so, uh, but, uh, so yeah, Lee won't, uh, Lee won't talk condiments with me. It's a damn shame too. Cause, uh, let's see here. Yeah. I'm going to see if I can play this. By the way, double Go ahead. I sent double a great Hollywood Hogan promo this week. You did. Hold on. Ah, yes, you did. Yes, you did. Hold on. Bear with me for one second here. Anytime Mike today get interrupted, I love it. Oh, man. Uh, Jesus, we did a lot of voice chatting. We'll talk about, uh, we we learned, by the way, that uh, somebody we know um, had a Money in the Bank ladder match on a vending machine. So, uh, <laughs> so, um, and also we'll talk about one other thing. We'll, we'll get to Ric Flair and everything, but I have to talk about, um, the, uh, I'll talk about something else here. 
Oh, I won't open that video right now. All right. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll try to get it open later. But anyways, I want to talk about the NWA World Television Champion. So I grabbed a, uh, a screen grab off somebody's Facebook page um, a couple days ago. It may, may have been yesterday, actually. And Tyrus, who is the current NWA World Television Champion, Tyrus, the former uh, Brodus Clay, um, let me see here, can we, there we go, we'll, we'll play a little, uh, there we go, so, <laughs> appeared on Fox News to talk about the Gabby Petito case, which is a sad, sad case, her body was found uh, yesterday, um, and they're looking for her boyfriend, Brian Lachlan, and um, I believe that's his he name. Down. And he's vanished off the face of the earth. But Tyrus was on there talking about this case with the NWA television title draped over his shoulder. Yes, you are. Fucking. A, a, a serious, serious story. And he's on there with the NWA television title. And uh, that's disrespectful not only to the NWA, but it's disrespectful to the case. Um, and then that brought up a whole different discussion of, you know, what if Tommy was walking around with the Dragon Dagger? What if I walked around with a Rant EM radio microphone? And Lee eventually con had uh, issued a concession and said that if I walked around with a Rant EM radio microphone, that it would be okay. That's what he said. He, he also said George Washington Duke shouldn't have had that damn uh, Exactly. He had no business with that microphone. Exactly. But, but yeah, it was... Let me see here. Can we uh, play some of uh, <laughs> some of Lee's comments from... Uh, on you and you're not at a wrestling related event or representing said uh, uh, promotion or promotion is the equivalent of a police officer who's off duty walking around in civilian clothes with his badge on. <laughs> That's from Lee Champion himself. So. so I thought we thought it was very funny yesterday and we got into that and yeah. Yeah, we had some interesting uh, interesting discussion yesterday via voice chat. Um, so we'll have to uh, we'll have to do some of that again more because those those discussions can be can be very entertaining. So, Tony C, did you or did you not watch the season three point two premiere? Of Dark Side of the Ring. Oh yeah, I watched it through YouTube. Okay, because they because that's one thing I want to say. Uh, Vice does release the episode usually on YouTube a day or two later. 
Where do I begin? Where do I begin? Got a Mike, it was a Mike Kyoto sighting. There was a Mike Kyoto sighting. There was, there was a lot of sightings. That's incredible sighting. Oh, man. I, uh, Terry Ronald sighting. Yes. Jim Ross. Jim Ross. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's it a bunch of people saying, well, and I. And we all pretty much heard the story, you know what I'm saying? But they got, you know, hearing it from them was kind of, you know what I'm saying, crazy. People that was there. We always heard the rumor. Michael P.S. Hayes was mentioned. Yes. I want to talk about uh, Michael P.S. Hayes because... Yeah, so let's 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 play a little bit of what happened to Michael P.S. Hayes on that flight, because um, yeah, in an unlimited supply of alcohol, the passengers aboard WWF's private charter are relieved as the jet is finally cleared for takeoff. I don't remember how long we've been up in the air before. It was very very evident that we had a, a lot of drunk people. Oh shoot, the boys could they could get drunk in one hour. When you're doing GHB or pills or anything like that, Percocets or Vicodins and stuff that were around, you could do a lot of damage, period, in one hour. But it was always booze and pills in the WWE because we had doctor's prescriptions, and as long as you had a doctor's prescription, it was okay. Of course, it wasn't because, you know, we'd have doctors write us whatever we wanted. Halcyons, GHB, Placidil. No, the Placidils, I think, were in the early 90s. But I know there was some GHB and Halcyons on the flight. Halcyons were some things that we took sometimes just to go to sleep for a long period of time. And um, sometimes you use them for a rib, too. Way back in the day, it used to be called H-bombing, and it was Halcyons. And I've seen so many guys dropping these H-bombs in the drinks in order to get the mark to pass out. They shave his head, they, you know, whatever they do. Girls, local girls, you know, were put out so the boys could have their way with them while they're out. I mean, this was, uh, it was kind of normal in some of the places that I've been. Never leave your drink exposed because the boys think seeing somebody froth at the mouth and slur their speech, they can't stand up, manage their own faculties. It's funny. The story was out that Michael got H-bombed. What was his role at that point? Michael Hayes worked at Creative at that point in time. I don't know if he was officially an agent, coach, producer. They've gone through several names. They all do the same thing. With the Alcyon in his body, and, and I don't know what else could have been in there. He was not himself. And he made bad decisions. Bradshaw had gotten uh, split open the night of the pay-per-view. Oh, yes! He is busted open! As Bradshaw is sleeping, Michael Hayes just knocked him in his head and reopened the wound. So now JBL is bleeding all over his shirt. So uh, JBL slapped him and knocked him out. He knocked out Michael Hayes. <laughs> We're like, holy shit. <laughs> Then I hear, like, chant for X-Pac. X-Pac was one of the sweetest guys in the world. He really is. 
Jay Strongbow, we used to call him the trailer hitch. So he's always following the big load of Hall and Nash. I want to know. I love to get my hands on Austin. But he wanted to be accepted so badly and proceed as a main event guy. Michael Hayes had been burying me in the booking meetings. And he's got that ponytail, that mullet. So as he's out home, I grab that tail and I lift it up like the nice one. Whack. I remember the big pop. And it was like him holding up the title. He had the ponytail. <laughs> Back in the day, you were not allowed to sleep on those flights. You would end up with a shaved eyebrow. You always had to uh, have one eye open, so to speak, uh, when you're on a plane full of the boys. So Michael Hayes got his ponytail cut off because somebody bombed his drink. <laughs> that, to me, was probably the funniest part of the whole episode. No, Scott Hall. Scott Hall took the cake for me. He was the star of the episode. You think the Scott Hall thing was the start? Was the, was the... Absolutely. Scott Hall was the star of the episode. Well. And I'm feeling all people. Well, apparently, Scott Hall, I mean, on that flight, Kurt Hennig lost his job. Scott Hall lost his job. Goldust eventually lost his job. I mean, Brock and Kurt almost killed everybody. They almost killed everybody, but, you know, whatever. But here's (laughs) the thing that really set everyone ablaze. That pain was real. No, I don't like to see anyone hurting like that. However, he still should have given me my microphone back. It got uncomfortable. It got uncomfortable. Like, you know, JR had to stop that. You know, he literally went up to Dustin and said, Sit your ass down. Go to sleep. You know, give us all a break. Eventually he passed out. That's how we got our PA back. He fell asleep and I got the microphone from him. If I was a flight attendant, uh, to be on that flight that night would have been probably one of the the worst experiences Some young ladies uh, just trying to do their job and just trying to to get home. You know, uh, I could imagine it being very disheartening for them and scary in some ways, I'm sure. Hours into the flight, the mid-air chaos shows no signs of slowing down. That was another situation that occurred with um, Ric Flair for me that was very uncomfortable. Sometimes, as a joke, Ric Flair would put on his robe, not wear anything else, and walk that aisle like Ric Flair, and then open it up and woo. That's the big high spot. We wanted to see Rick coming out naked in his robe, so he did it on the airplane for everybody. And uh, that's what the guys want to see. That's what makes them laugh. He could move his hips and twirl it, and so his well-endowed penis spins around like a helicopter. So I'd say he's the nature boy for a reason. He's got a hammer on him. He's the life of the party. And if you know him, you know where to exit the party and and go to your own safe place. Or you don't know the rules and you find yourself in deep water. And that may have happened. And that was in the galley. 
The galleys were our little kitchen area on an airplane. Ric Flair was naked in a cape only, and then he decided to come back to the galley to get a Coke. And then he wouldn't leave the galley. He had me up back against the back door. Um, and I couldn't, I couldn't move. I couldn't get away from him. I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't move. He was spitting around his penis and he wanted me to touch it. And he, he took my hand and, and put it on him. Ric Flair is not going to try to impose by force any sexual stuff on to anybody. Um, he's just flaunting, styling and profiling, doing like the Ric Flair stuff where everybody's going to laugh about it. Um, but obviously someone took offense to it. I remember him crowding the uh, the flight attendant, like in the in the aisle way back there by the bathroom where it's like real skinny and you can't fit two people through there and stuff. I remember him like crowding her and uh, you know trying to uh, make her uh, touch him and stuff. And he kept me back there for I don't I don't know how long, um, but it felt like a really long time. It wasn't short, like it was it was minutes. And I asked him to please stop, and he didn't he wouldn't. So that story right there set off a whirlwind of controversy this past week. A whirlwind of controversy. As in the controversy, here we are seven days later and it's still going on. Let's start with Tommy Dreamer. Tommy Dreamer, for his comments on on this episode, for being very nonchalant about it, um, subsequently was suspended from Impact Wrestling, suspended from uh, Busted Open Radio on Sirius XM, and, uh, and while they investigate what they're going to do with Tommy Dreamer. Here's my take on the Tommy Dreamer situation. I think Tommy should not be penalized for making comments and trying to explain Ric Flair's actions and why he would do them. Tommy explaining Ric Flair's behavior does not condone the behavior, but it's trying to tell the general public who don't know what happens behind the curtain in wrestling the things that go on. This being one of them with Ric Flair and the robe. That is something, if you're a wrestling fan, you know that this is, has been something that has been going on for 40 years. 
This is nothing new. And it's been documented before on the ESPN 3, uh, three for thir- or 30 for 30 special that they did a handful of years ago. And Ric Flair even told the story. They don't know, though, if it's the same story. But Ric Flair told a story of a similar situation on a flight on an episode of WWE Storytime. That episode has since been pulled. Ric Flair is no longer in the signature intro for the WWE. And there's more things to come, and we'll talk about that in just a second. But Tommy Dreamer, I don't feel, deserves being suspended and whatever. Um, For talking about how Ric Flair behaves and how this is considered a joke in wrestling. That doesn't make the situation right. Tommy's just explaining how it should be taken when it comes to wrestling. And, um, yeah. I, uh, let me see here. Do we have any, uh, do we have any audio, previous audio here? Uh... Let's see here. I want to try to see if we have some other audio here. Um, I want to take you back to uh, to the thirty for thirty because there was uh, it was played here. This is uh, from I guess when Ric Flair um, doubled as the Black Scorpion at one time. So let's take you back. Here's here's the thirty for thirty um, of of another plane ride. Was out of the bathroom and goes, woo, woo. And he said, Sting, how can you deal with this? And he opened up and he was completely naked. And he was like really erect. I mean, I've never seen a guy have his pants pulled down more than Ric Flair. They open the door, the curtains... Now this is the audio from the Storytime episode that has been pulled. Wide open. Six of the most beautiful flight attendants I've ever seen in my life. Four brunettes, two blondes. The anchor, the one in the middle, the blonde. Audacious tatas. She might as well have had a neon sign on her forehead saying, Nature Boy. She said, sit right here, Nature Boy, and I'm going to rock your world for nine hours. Of course, two hours up in the air. We're flying, drinking, laughing, telling stories. Other wrestlers with me, whose name is, will remain anonymous forever. The focus was on the match anyway. Who cares about the other wrestlers? Pretty soon it happens. Like every flight, the girls pull the robe out of the closet. They say, is this what you wear to the ring? I say, of course it is, girls. What do you think? Gosh, can we see it one time? I go, you can see it all day long. But the Nates can't put it on. They say, why won't you put it on? I say, I do not put my robe on when I have my clothes on. Then all of a sudden, I don't know where she comes. Why don't you take them off? <laughs> That's what starts it all. That's what's gotten me in so much trouble over the years. But they always encourage the next one. Here they are, six girls going, Nates, will you take off your clothes and put on your robe? Are you kidding me? Who can say no to that? 
So I step into the bathroom, just clothe myself just like I'm Superman, get ready to jump my outfit, right? They hand in my robe, I put the robe on, I walk out. One of them's leaning against the cockpit door, God forbid the captain come out. And Nate comes out wearing his robe, looking as only I can look. Now at this point, I'm bartering. I show you, you show me. The rest of the story, you figure it out. Woo! <laughs> Now, I'm going to add to this. If you think the Ric Flair controversy is going to end, wait till you... Uh, I don't know if this is going to be brought up. But, 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 let's take you back. Uh, to what year is this? I believe this is from 2007. Um, this coming week's episode of Dark Side of the Ring is about Chris Canyon. Ric Flair, Chris, uh, Chris Canyon appeared on the Howard Stern Show in 2007 to talk about, basically to say he got fired from the WWE because he's gay. And Ric Flair called in on behalf of the WWE. And here we go. Really? Yeah. He says that uh, he has a statement to make on behalf of the WWE. You accused the WWE and Vince McMahon of firing you because you were gay. Uh, Rick disagrees with that. Okay. You, you want to speak to him? Sure. All right, go ahead. Rick, hi. Rick, you there? I'm right here, man. How you doing, man? That's Rick. Great, thank you. How are you? Yeah, that is Rick Flair. He's a famous wrestler, and uh, you work for the WWE, of course, and you're okay. even in management. And what do you, what do you disagree with about what Chris Canyon has said? Well, first of all, I don't work in management. I just disagree with the fact that, and I'm disappointed because I know Chris very well that he would blame um, something that's happened in his personal life on his job description, and. Uh, I think it's real simple. Every wrestler in the country knows that you've got to be very good at what you do to be part of the WWE. It's a very difficult business to be successful in. And I think Chris has some shortcomings in the ring. And I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed in Chris as a person. I've known him a long time that he would blame his shortcomings on uh, something that's going on in his personal life. Well, we had in uh, the wrestle, who's the guy who just made the movie? John Cena. We just had John Cena, and he said that Chris was a good guy, he said, but he didn't have the skills to really be a WWE wrestler. They well, he said he didn't have a great act. You know, he right. didn't act the part well. Yeah, he, uh, Chris has got the skill, but it, it takes a lot more than technical skills to be good in the WWE or in, in the sport of professional wrestling. And Chris, I think, has got all the attributes. He doesn't have the act. John, John made a good point. What about that, uh, Chris? You were in the WWE, and, and your act was, you say, good until you became uh, an, an out gay person. My act was absolutely fine. Uh, you know, it all depends on what they give you, what storylines they write you. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of the writers knew. Uh, uh, Rick, you know Arn Anderson knew for a fact that I was gay back in WCW. I mean, he's your best friend. I, have, I had no idea. All right. Um, it was not a well-kept secret in wrestling, and, uh, you know, it... it, it figured into the storylines they gave me. Rick, you know as well as I do, if they don't give you a storyline, if they beat you every week, you're not going to be over. Chris, Chris, you're being, you're, you're counter, you're, we're talking about your, your sexuality right now. We're not talking about... No, no, I didn't what you were talking about. You were talking about I didn't have uh, what it took know, to be a WWE, even though... You as a person, as a man, for blaming your choices in life on the business. That's uh, not a choice, first you, of all. You, you, have, you have the skills 
and you had the ability and you had the opportunity that it that and uh well here's here's also some comments from John Cena the uh, wrestler made the other day here on our show I'd heard about this uh, please do uh, gay man yeah uh gay wrestler yeah uh what's what was the, his name I don't know the guy's name is uh, Chris Chris Canyon. Absolutely, yeah. You know Chris? You know I know Chris right. from a long time. Chris, ago. Chris said some things about Vince, which, uh, you know, Vince wasn't here to defend himself. I tried to get him on the phone, but he says Vince is a homophobe, and Chris claims that he was fired because he is a gay man. Here's, here's the weird thing about Chris, and I've known Chris for a long time. Okay. He, uh, he actually came out of the closet after he was fired. Right. He just, he wasn't any good. He was not a good wrestler? No, it's, uh, he was hired by WCW initially for like a demon persona called Mortis, which was pretty entertaining. He had the whole mask and everything. He came to us with his WW, WCW persona of Chris Canyon, which mm -hmm. was just a, a guy in tights. Right. And with Vince, you do have to have a certain technical bravado. you got to be able to wrestle, but at the right. same time as WWE, you got to be able to entertain the people. Right. Chris just wasn't any good. So... There's a lot going on right now. And a lot of controversy. A lot of it doesn't paint the WWE in a very favorable light. But the majority right now is Ric Flair. Tommy Dreamer I feel very bad, bad about. I really do. I really feel bad about Tommy Dreamer. He doesn't deserve that. He just didn't say the right thing in the right tone. And, um, he doesn't deserve what he's getting, the shit that he's having to go through right now. I, I, I firmly believe that. Ric Flair. It's hard to look past these things, but it's also hard to just, you know, can, can we just move on and just... Okay, I mean, yeah, this happened. It's a horrible incident, but I mean, we're in a position in life that we should just move on at this point. This was 20 years ago or 18 years ago or however long it was. And um, and it's WWE's not going to scrub 19. the WWE's not going to scrub the network. That's 50 percent of the of the library is going to have to go in the toilet. Ain't going to happen. Ain't going to happen. Especially considering that uh, this is... Flair's behavior was publicly known for years. Yeah, years. This is the first time we heard about him. Yeah, we haven't heard about it. This is not the first time we heard of something. Now, the forcing, there, Flair denies it. There's others that deny that Flair possibly forced himself on the woman. They are not denying that Flair paraded around on the airplane naked. That part they're not denying because that's been documented and he's done that a million times. You know, Triple H told the story of how he did it one time in a, in a hotel lobby walking around with a balloon tied to his, uh, right. to his Johnson in WCW. But to capsulize the fallout of what happened... Uh, as a result of the dark side of the ring, or as a result of the actions of of this, 
Well, Jim Ross was the one responsible because he was the head of talent relations. And here's JR's take on the whole situation, including what didn't happen to Ric Flair. I'm embarrassed about this very day. It was my job to handle. Vince McMahon makes the decisions, but Jim Ross is the one who has to execute them. Jim Ross is the guy who has to fire you as well. Jim Ross is the guy who has to tell you, hey, you're messing up. He's the guy who has to find you. Um, that's that position. It was a tough decision on my part to cut some guys from the roster because it's what Vince McMahon told me to do. And the guy that writes the checks has the last say. I was, I was troubled by Kurt firing. I just thought he had a bad night with the boys. He had a reputation of becoming a practical joker, and Vince had enough of it. And you kind of figure maybe, okay, Kirk got fired, but then he's going to come back and circle his way around at some point, which he would have, I'm sure. But he passed away not too far after that. And Razor, I, I think it was just his drug addiction that kind of maybe just his, his career kind of uh, slipped away there. We let Scott go within hours after we got back to the to the States. Uh, I was told to cut him now. And so I called him at home and, you know, I just said, I, I think we made a mistake. You're not ready to get back on the road until you're better suited to handle your demons. We need to put you back in your comfort zone, which meant at home, primarily. Dustin Rhodes is one of my favorite people in the world. We go back a long way. I don't know if it was just the rebound of his divorce with Terry, what it was, but he was in a, a tough place. But no excuse. So, you know, he was dipping his snuff and, and using the seatback cushion as a spittoon. I had two options, find him, that I'll get his attention, or fire him, which I thought was extreme and did not need to happen. That was my call. He learned from his mistakes. He was immature. He had substance abuse issues. And sometimes he controlled them and sometimes he didn't. But the bottom line is, is that we have to stop in our society letting other transgressions go without punishment. How does it that Ric Flair evaded any sort of suspension or anything like that? Good question. Uh, I guess, lack of a better term, he was a made man. And he was such a high-level made man that he got a pass. Was it the right thing to do? I don't know. You're listening to it, folks. You, you decide. He got a pass. As the WWF deals with the fallout from the flight, Heidi is forced to consider her next steps. So, Heidi eventually sued the WWE and Ric Flair. I don't know if she broke, she settled, and she may face legal ramifications because she settled... And 
she possibly violated an NDA, a non-disclosure agreement. Because while there could be a monetary settlement, which there was, there probably was a hush clause to go along with it. And if she violated that, WWE is going to sue her ass in court. And she's going to pay big time. You damn sure uh, will believe that. So get ready. The District Court of Maricopa County, Arizona, I believe that's where the the, the, the case, um, the original case took place. That case may be reopened and a counterclaim will be filed. Um, so, Ric Flair got a pass. Because he's a made man. Were they going to say she lied? No, it's not. It's not that. There could have been a hush clause in the in the NDA, Tony. Oh, NDA. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, he should know better. Well, I mean, Paul Heyman sued WCW, got a settlement out of it, and on multiple DVDs. Multiple interviews. Paul has declined to talk about leaving the 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 rash. You know the what was the the overall arcing reason why he left WCW, and he says I can't talk about it because there's a, there's a hush clause, and I can still be sued about it even today, twenty some odd years, right. or th- almost thirty years later. Now. Lee, you're right. If she violated an NDA. If. That's a big if. I would venture to say, though, it's it's very, very likely. Given the circumstances surrounding the story, there's a hush clause. I find it very, very, very unlikely that there's not a hush clause. What's the point of settling if, if you don't... Uh, if you don't keep your mouth shut. Mm-hmm. If you're going to continue to talk about it, then you, why settle? This is what I, this is where I don't agree with, with the woman. The woman should have followed through to the fullest extent of the law. And she probably would, I don't know, let, to throw out a number, let's say WWE settled for $100,000. She could have very easily won a lawsuit for a couple of million. It's not A&E. It's Vice, but still, it wouldn't be, it's not the, it's, I don't think Vice wouldn't be involved in this at all. This is a a a un unattached WWE program that is talking about a WWE story. And this woman possibly breached a NDA and WWE could very easily go back and reopen that case and and file a counterclaim against her. 
for breaching a non-disclosure agreement. Because it doesn't matter if how much WWE paid her. If there's a clause in there that says don't open your mouth, you don't open your mouth. And um, and I'm not saying that that's right, by the way. Let me, let me make that clear. That doesn't make it right. That's just the reality of the situation. Um, I'm glad she was able to tell her story. But, but it may cost it, it may cost her in the end. It may cost her in the end. As for Ric Flair, it's hard. It's going to be hard to just forget the situation and... and I don't not necessarily forgive Ric Flair, but you know, Rick isn't gonna. Don't think that Rick is gonna show up in AEW anytime soon. Um, Rick is mm. gonna be untouchable now for a period of time. Um, the Car Shield commercials. Uh, spokesman for the company said that the campaign has been pulled. However, commercials still continue to air. And I want to make something very clear. There was a hubbub on Twitter last night during Raw because a Car Shield commercial aired in the third hour of Monday Night Raw last night. I want to make something very clear here. And this is not me supporting the WWE here. WWE does not control the commercials that air during their shows. That is up to the television network. The TV network is the one that sells the commercial spots and they place them within the program. That WWE has no control over that. So let's make that very clear. Um, so that falls on USA for airing a car shield spot during Monday Night Raw last night. Um, and and then what? Where do you go from here with with Ric Flair? I mean, I don't. I personally don't see Ric Flair any differently. Now, here's okay. Lee brought up another point. Vince was on the plane. I've heard that differently. That Vince was not on the plane. Which makes sense. How could all that go on with Vince on the plane? And I've heard multiple people say that Vince was not on the plane. Why would Vince be on a chartered plane when he's got his own private jet? Look what happened. Vince took off and went, went left Saudi Arabia and left the crew behind. Yeah, did that. And this plane had a, had a weather delay and was grounded in England for seven hours. I'm not saying that Vince was in the air during the weather delay, but, you know, it's very possible Vince got on his personal jet and took off on his own.
So I believe that Vince was not on the plane. Jim Ross never said that Vince was on the plane. Oh, he didn't. It was portrayed that Vince was on the plane. That that was a glaring flaw that was in the story. Because my wife, who watched the episode with me when it aired, kept asking, "All this happened with Vince and Linda on the plane," and I and I and I too was questioning, like, I don't know how this all would have went down with Vince there, but it did. Apparently, they're saying it did. And now we're hearing that Vince was not on the plane. And I don't recall any of the others saying that Vince was ever on the plane. It was the dark side of the ring crew that that portrayed the illusion of Vince being on the plane. So, yeah... Was uh, was definitely uh, definitely I don't know. I it was it was that was a shocking episode to watch. It really was. It was very shocking. Terry may have said that, but then again, I, there's a lot of things I don't know if I believe Terry. She did say Brock Lesnar ex- uh, exposed her, himself to her. And Terry has said that in the past. Let me see here. Let me... Uh... I've never ever done it. Ever before and never again. Never, and we went through three. Yeah. Imagine your varsity... Let me see here. I'm going to fast forward. Like a real dick. I remember that. He was just a thick, solid, big bear. Is right, man. He was a solid boy, young. He was getting a big push. Brock Lesnar is an animal. Brock was very new to the business, and he exposed himself to me at the um, insurrection pay per view. Like a real dick. I remember that night I was doing interviews. And Jackie in a tag team match. I was backstage, and I hear my name called, and Brock was in this room, Dustin was in the room, my ex-husband at the time, and Brock did the whole thing. I I no-sold it, went to my dressing room, Dustin came in, he's like, don't sell it. I'm like, I'm not selling it. I didn't sell it, not gonna. In other words, let it lie, leave it alone. Uh, I had complaints about Brock Lesnar's behavior on the plane. Uh, and But I don't recall any advances or reported advances uh, from Brock to, uh, to Terry Reynolds. Could it have happened? Of course it could have happened. It could have happened. I did my job to the best of my ability to look out for the talent. I can't follow everybody around to see if they're acting like an adult. That should not be my job. It really should. The dark side of the ring. And I believe she said, hold on. My love. 
I believe she said also in that episode that it was the smallest thing she'd ever seen in her life and that she remembers it being very, very, very red, like, if I remember correctly. But anyways, so that that's that's pretty much what happened. And yeah, here we are, Tony. Uh, I don't and, know, right? And, and things are only going to get more interesting because we're going to find out some additional stuff um, this coming Thursday on Dark Side of the Ring when they talk about Chris Canyon. Um, Chris Cluxardis, I think is his real name, but we will uh, find out more on Thursday. WWE does not get painted in a very favorable light uh, uh, so far in these first two episodes. And then, of course, when it's the U.S. versus uh, Vince McMahon, ah, man. That's going to be another one right there. So we're going to see. We're going to see what happens. Um, in another story that is now controversial, and I want your take on this, because I have one way, I feel one way about this. Have you heard about the partnership between AEW and Martha Hart, the widow of Owen Hart. No, I haven't heard of that. Okay. So yesterday, AEW issued a press release saying that they have entered an agreement with uh, essentially the estate of Owen Hart to license Owen's likeness, character, for action figures, merchandise, uh, video games and uh, other things including honoring his contributions for the wrestling industry and having a, the like a, like a, the Owen Hart Memorial Tournament type thing this will happen in um. AEW now there is a lot of people that are very mixed about this very mixed First of all, they think it's disgusting for AEW to market and make money off Owen Hart when the man's been dead for 22 years, never worked for the promotion, and they're just doing it because WWE can't. That's what a lot of people are saying. Because Martha Hart wants nothing to do with the WWE. And that's why Owen Hart is not in the WWE Hall of Fame. Right. Um, others are happy that Owen Hart is being recognized for his contributions. Where do I stand on this? I feel that this is not AEW's place to get involved in this. I think um, I think it's I think I, I, I don't think that this is right. I'm not I'm not here I'm not livid over the situation, but I don't think it's right. I, I, I don't agree with it, to be honest with you. I think um, 
it's it's almost like because here's the thing, Brett, I believe, has gone on record saying that it's always been the Hearts versus Martha. Like they don't get along with her. Right. And um, I noticed that. So there's a lot of dissension there, and. To me, it's possible that Martha is doing this in spite of the WWE. And because she has even... If you watch the dark side of the ring of Owen Hart, even her kids um, think like her. She's got them indoctrinated to think like her, talk I mean, like her. I mean, but her husband did down. Her husband did die, but but listen, listen. And we we can't. What happened was a tragic accident, horrible accident, and it happened on WWE's watch. If you don't want WWE, and a lot has changed in 22 years in the WWE. But if you don't want the WWE, because if you're not a fan of the wrestling industry, okay, let me, let me let me make something clear. Martha's not a fan of the wrestling industry, okay. But she lived very well. She lived very well from the industry for many years. She holds ill will towards the the World Wrestling Federation. Mm-hmm. I feel that she's just going to AEW to spite Vince and the WWE. I don't feel that this is AEW's place to be involved. There's a lot of things that I can say about AEW and what I feel is right and wrong and how they do business and things like that. But this is one area that I don't feel that they should be involved with. I really don't. Owen Hart never was in AEW. Let's just start with the basics. Owen Hart was never in AEW. He's a wrestling legend. But to make action figures and put him in a video game and things like that, I think is... I think it's ridiculous. I mean, what? You're going you're gonna to have uh, Owen Hart wrestle Kenny Omega? You know? John Moxley? Eddie Kingston? I mean, it makes no sense to me. Um, it just, I, I, I don't feel that this is their place. I don't know. What do you think, Tony? I mean, it is kind of spiteful what she's doing. But when, and she's going to make know, money off of this. That, that pain that she's dealing with will never know. It'll never go, but... We'll, I, I'm saying we'll never know. But. 
We'll never know. But Tony, listen, we're not asking her to forgive the WWE. And I'm not even asking her to give WWE the green light to do some Owen Hart stuff. What bothers you that she went to WWE? I mean, AEW? I think it bothers me that, 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 she's, that she went to AEW and AEW is willing to do it. Because here's the reality of the situation. I don't think Martha Hart picked up the phone and called Tony. If she picked up the phone and called Tony Khan and said, hey, let's do business, that's doing it out of spite. Because what happened was AEW called Martha Hart. That's what happened. If it happened the other way around, then the situation just got a lot worse. But that's something we're never going to know. But I don't know. I I don't agree with this. I am not. Like I said, I'm not. I. It don't sit well with you. Huh? It doesn't sit well with me. I um. Lee says it's not wrong. It's. I just feel it's not AEW's place to be involved. Like. You don't get involved in somebody else's fight when you've got no business to be there to begin with. You saying they ain't got no dog in the fight, huh? And they're they're stepping in that. They're stepping into that fight for no reason. You know, and then I don't know. I I don't know what can and can't be done and this and that and whatever you know because there are certain um marks there are certain uh uh what's the word intellectual properties that belong to wwe and then there's some that belong to owen hart like owen hart that's his real name you can't trademark a person's real name you just can't. Right. Um, but WWE could not put out anything with his likeness, with his name, without the approval of the estate. WWE, over the years, had put out things that involved Owen in a secondary role. They would put out a Best of Bret Hart DVD and Owen Hart just happened to be a part of it. That's how you get around that proverbial loophole. Um, but WWE for years has been wanting to do an Owen Hart DVD and obviously they've been wanting to induct him into the Hall of Fame. Um, but yeah, this... This I'm not, I'm not too fond of. I really am not. Um, and I feel that there are certain things that AEW should not try to make right for the wrestling industry. This being one of them. You know, um, I think they should just leave this situation alone. And that's it. We've survived 22 years, you know, without, without Owen Hart. It's That's a wound that doesn't need to be opened. reopened. Exactly. Um, reopened. Yeah. 
I agree. With, I can agree with that. See, AEW markets themselves oh, as a uh, as an extension of WCW, and Owen Hart wrestled in WCW. I get that, but still. See, here's the thing: Lego is they trademark John Cena. Yes, how do they trademark John Cena though? That's where the difference is. It's how you trademark. You can't trademark the name though. John Cena can go anywhere and be John Cena. It's how he's John Cena is what's important. Okay, John Cena can't. John Cena can't go to AEW as the wrestler John Cena. Unless unless the trademark expires, and John Cena goes. Let me let me let me put it better in a better way because not the not that John Cena can't go to AEW as the wrestler John Cena. John Cena can't go as the John Cena we know now to AEW. He can't do that. No, you don't lose you get to go on by W This game go all night, man. Oh yeah. <laughs> he go. He go. Here we go. He's got me he's got me a trademark extension. Or a trademark. Here uh, go, right, go. Here we go. So we're gonna we're gonna read John Cena's trademark, okay? This is a trademark from the United States Trademark Office. Okay. The file date was, um, it was filed on uh, April 20th, 2004. And it doesn't show that the stat, that shows the current status is 7-14-2016, but that doesn't, mean that it's an active trademark but here's what it's what it falls under toys action figures accessories thereof cases for action figures toy vehicles board games playing cards toy spinning tops standalone video output game machines featuring wrestling arcade games related to wrestling pinball games related to wrestling handheld units for playing electronic games tabletop action skill games related to wrestling jigsaw puzzles kites Toy wrestling rings, dolls, bobblehead dolls, puppets, stuffed toy animals, card games, toy guitars, water guns, vinyl pool products for playing, namely pillowback lounge, chairs, Christmas tree decorations, costume masks, toy belts, doll furniture, party favors, nature of crackers or noisemakers, skateboards, bowling balls, and accessories, namely bowling gloves, wrist supports, Bowling ball bags, wind-up toys, toy scooters, bowling pins, knee and elbow pads for athletic use, yo-yos, plastic model kits for making toy vehicles, pull cues, novelty toys, namely toy banks made of tin, toy gum machines, toy ball mechanical dispensers, toy stick gum dispensers, toy gum figure makers, and confetti. So, uh, this is primarily for... Merchandise. This is a trademark. This is a merchandise trademark. So John Cena. But here's the caveat. Here's the caveat. John Cena cannot put out a wrestling game with his likeness, but John Cena could put a driving game with his likeness, independent from WWE, because it says very clearly here. Arcade games related to wrestling. The 
trademark is very clear. So that doesn't prohibit John Cena from doing outside things, you know. And by the way, you want to hear something very, uh, you want to hear something very uh, funny. John Cena hosts uh, Wipeout on TBS. Right. There was a uh, a commercial for like all the new TBS shows or the new Turner shows, Rampage, Wipeout, and a few others. John Cena is the host of Wipeout, and he has a co-host, a, a girl co-host, and the promo for Wipeout only featured her because it aired during Rampage a couple of weeks ago. So they made sure not to include John Cena in the promo, even though he's the star of the show. So, um, so yeah. I don't even know why we were talking about trademarks. Oh, Owen Hart. So, so yeah. I think, um, like, AEW's not going to be able to put out something like the King of Hearts. They're not going to be able to do that. That's a WWE trademark, probably. Or, uh, mm, the Black, mm, or no, the Black Heart. But Tommaso Ciampa was the black heart for a while. And then the Nugget, which I don't think AEW would do anything like that. But, but yeah, I, uh, it's Lee, at least Lee agrees that it's 100% spiteful. But I, right. it really does not sit well with me. It really doesn't. But that's, that's just the way the industry is right now. To be honest with you, I think they're just whatever. Now, in a very uplifting note here, okay, and I'm going to read something here because this was not everybody in wrestling is an asshole, okay? And I don't care what anybody says. I'm not supporting WWE here, and I'm not putting down AEW, but. I will say this, there are some classy people out there that won't put down their former employer just for the sake of putting down their former employer. Why do I say that? Just today, okay, for uh, the Players Tribune uh, website, Daniel Bryan penned an article for their website where he wrote a thank you letter to the WWE. This is um, due to the fact that uh, Brian Danielson will be, quote-unquote, wrestling uh, the most important match of his career tomorrow night against Kenny Omega at Arthur Ashe Stadium in Queens, New York. Got some problems with Daniel Bra- or Brian Danielson facing Kenny Omega on Dynamite. Just like that, without, you know, no build-up and... And no, um, and, and on TV. And a title shot coming off the street. Uh, you know, I, is it a title shot? I think it's just a one-on-one match. Oh, it's a non-title match. I think, I believe it's a non-title match. But still, he just walked in the front door and is having a main event match. But this is my problem. Why, why are they having it on television? Why is this not on pay-per-view? 
And why did they not build it? Uh, whatever. But anyways, this is what uh, Brian Danielson wrote. Okay. The, the letter is titled, Thank You, WWE. Tomorrow night feels like the biggest match of my career. In a lot of ways, it doesn't seem real. It's against a dream opponent in Kenny Omega, who I've watched grow and become one of the best wrestlers in the world over the last several years. It's taking place in a dream setting, the first wrestling show at Arthur Ashe Stadium. It's happening in a groundbreaking promotion, AEW, a company that's modernizing wrestling and giving fans their first true alternative in a long time. And it's my first match outside WWE in over 10 years. It feels like a brand new chapter and I couldn't be more excited. What a world. But if I'm honest, excited is only part of what I feel right now. Life has a way of being a little bit more complicated than that, you know? So as I approach this moment before the next part of my career gets fully underway, there's something I need to express. Thank you, WWE. Thank you for the thank you to the cr incredible superstars with whom I shared both the ring and the road for the Savat Kick Saturdays at the local ro locally roasted uh, coffee for being my family when we're away from family for making me look good when I didn't feel good for deep conversations and pointless debates for making me laugh both in the best of times and the worst for all the small things that make my life as a wrestler just a little bit more fun. Thank you to the many of people behind the scenes. The crew in WWE is amazing. From the folks operating the cameras to those in catering, from the producers to talent relations, thank you to the production team who always put together such amazing packages and are such an underappreciated part of the stories we tell. Thank you to everyone involved in creative for accepting me into the group, for sharing with me the lessons you've learned, and for the fun times we had talking about wrestling and non-wrestling subjects alike. It's a difficult job writing and producing WWE television. I'm consistently blown away by your ability to make seamless production out of such chaos. Thank you to the big man who I know hates to be acknowledged. I won't say much, but thank you for being the... Thank you for the conversations, the life lessons about both what to do and what not to do, and the best hug I've ever received. I wish more people could see how I see you. And last but certainly not least, thank you to the WWE fans. You pushed my career to new heights, heights that I never would have received or, or I would have never reached for on my own. Thank you for cheering me enthusiastically into the main event at WrestleMania 30, and thank you for booing me voraciously against Kofi at WrestleMania 35. Thank you for crying with me when I was forced to retire, and thank you for celebrating with me when I was cleared to compete. Thank you for hijacking the show in Seattle, the last time my dad ever got to see me wrestle. He signed his first autograph that night, Buddy Danielson, Daniel Bryan's dad. Thank you for the moments that I will never forget. Moments where I can just close my eyes and feel the goosebumps all over again. I hope you'll continue to follow me, but I completely understand if you don't. You've given me more than enough, more than I could ever repay. Thank you for all of it. I loved my time in the WWE. Needless to say, it changed my life. I met my wife, had an unbelievable experience, and made great friends. Some of you I may see again, and I hope that I do. 
but these last two years have taught us not to take that for granted. So I just wanted to tell you all how much you have meant to me. I'm grateful that you allowed me into your lives and that you came into mine. I'll cherish these memories forever. Thank you for reading, and most of all, thank you for caring. Sincerely, Brian Danielson. So, um, you know, he is, I, you know, he's a class act. And um, I wish more people were like him. To be honest with you, the wrestling world would be a lot better place. We're talking, we're not talking about the in-ring product. We are talking about the behind-the-scenes stuff. If more people were like Daniel Bryan, this business would be a lot better and I think a lot more enjoyable for us fans. Because there are times that I'm, I'm tired of hearing the bullshit, the infighting, the, the nonsense. A lot of that stuff hinders any sort of progression that could happen on the TV screen. And... Um, you know, if there were more people like this guy, we'd be in a much better place. Um, Lee's asking almost everyone who went to WC went to WWE bash WCW after it shut down, and I don't agree with their comments because in a lot of those people, if it wasn't for WCW, they wouldn't have a career, and that's the truth, whether they want to accept it or not. Where the hell would Harlem Heat be if it wasn't for WCW? Triple H. Triple H cut his teeth in WCW, whether he wants to admit it or not. There's a lot of people that made a lot of money in WCW. The Giant, the Big Show. Yep. The Outsiders. They went in there and yeah, they may have been part of the problem in WCW, but they went in there, they collected their paychecks, and they had they should have nothing to say, but you know what? I appreciate my time in WCW. I was fortunate to be there. The one person I don't think I've ever heard say anything bad about WCW was Sting, but then again, Sting doesn't say anything bad about anything. And that's the type of person that Sting is. He's like Daniel Bryan. Bryan Danielson, excuse me. That's going to be a habit. It's going to be hard to break. I mean... You know, this this week has been full of a lot of um, a lot of self reflecting when it comes to wrestling. Ric Flair put down WCW a lot uh, after WCW went under, and I think Rick was just in some of his comments because WCW really treated Ric Flair bad at the end. But if it wasn't for WCW. You know, I don't want to say where would Ric Flair be, but what would have become of Ric Flair post 
1991. He would have went to the WWF like he did, but if that, you know, he came and went, he would have eventually come and go in the WWE at some point. He would have been phased out. What would have happened to Ric Flair after, let's say, 1995 in the WWE if he never went back to WCW? And there wasn't a WCW to go to. What would have become of Ric Flair? He would have just been another old wrestler who his time was up and that was it. And I don't know if Ric Flair would be around today. I don't. I would hate to say that, but you know, wrestling probably kept Ric Flair alive all this time. Um, I think Rick might be the one. Again, this is Ric Flair being getting a pass. Rick might get a pass because he was treated piss poorly in WCW. But the others, I don't think have any right to say anything about WCW. I really don't. Tony, you have any thoughts on anything with this? I mean, I agree with nobody be speaking on WCW. You know what I'm saying? And here with them, for them, they'd be probably parking cars. Or in a, you know what I'm saying, other organization that ain't hitting them and not able to make a name for themselves. Exactly. The opportunity was given to them by. So. Yeah, and I, I think Eric. The the quote unquote Godfathers of wrestling. Eric Bischoff. Paul Heyman and Vince McMahon have done so much for this industry and also have done a lot of damage to this industry. All three of them. A lot of good and a lot of bad. And um, Paul Paul Heyman there's a um, I linked it to Tony C. and Lee over the weekend, but there's a uh, a video of Paul Heyman had with, um, he had an interview, a sit-down interview, out of character with Ryan Satin for Fox Sports. And um, it's a 45-minute interview. And I, I haven't had a chance to complete it, but I've watched a majority of it. And Paul basically said, I've got no problem failing. None whatsoever. Paul has failed a handful of times. And look where Paul is now. Top of his game. At the top of his game. Eric, I think Eric accepts failure, but he necessarily doesn't like it. But Eric has had failures in his life, and and um, and you know he's doing well now. You know he's doing he's doing very well. The one that doesn't like failure at all and hates it and detests it 
Vince McMahon. But Vince Vince's contribution to the to the wrestling industry are you, you can't take away what Vince has done. You just can't. Well, he's made is, he's he's no, but there's a lot of people that think Vince is 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 just a, a cancerous blip on this industry. And I don't feel that that's well, those are the people who don't hate him no matter what. Yeah, and I don't think that's... I think Vince receives a lot of shit unjustly. I agree with the things that Vince deserves flack for. I agree on a lot. But I think there's a lot of unjust crap that he gets for the things that he... He doesn't get enough credit for for, for building the business to the heights that it's in right now. He killed a lot of the business, but he built... A, wrestling is, is, is where it's at because of Vince McMahon. I don't care what anybody says. Man, if you spend you spend your days stressing about what people say about Vince McMahon... I know, right? You're going to run your blood pressure. Up, I know, right? Um, Eric is the only man that gave Vince a run for his money. And Paul, Paul was was a great alternative for uh, for a niche audience. And he knows how to cater to a quote-unquote hardcore, and I don't mean by hardcore style, but a hardcore wrestling fan. He knows how to cater to the audience and give the audience what they want. Tony Khan had a long way to go to be considered in that category of great wrestling heads because right now he's just giving wrestling fans what they haven't been able to get and making them feel good this is all fine and well right now. You got him back, CM Punk. You get it. You give him Daniel Bryan. You got the Owen Hart thing. But when all this stuff is gone, what do you do next? How do you make a fickle fan base happy? That remains to be seen. All I know is that. You know, Roman Reigns is going to strong right now. I, I think we need to focus on that. I have a very interesting theory that I don't know if you'll agree with. There's a pay-per-view on Sunday. Extreme Rules. Finn oh, yeah. Balor will face Roman Reigns in an Extreme Rules match for the Universal title. Finn Balor is going to beat Roman Reigns for the title. And he will face Brock Lesnar at extreme, at uh, at uh, Crown Jewel. So Finn Balor versus uh, Roman Reigns? No, at, this, that's going to be at, at Extreme Rules. At, no, Finn Balor versus... Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar again at, at, at in Saudi? At Saudi Arabia at Crown Jewel for the Universal title. And that's what Brock will regain the title and kind of just meander somewhere else. And I have a feeling it's going to be Roman versus 
Big E for the WWE title. I have a feeling there's going to be some... I have a feeling WWE's not going to go by the quote-unquote playbook that's currently out Roman there. Roman Reigns is moving to Raw, basically, is what you're saying. And along with Big E, who already moved to Raw, but that's not technically official yet. But you, So you agree, we're agreeing that he's moving to Raw? I think so. Raw needs a Ronnie. Roman's moving to Raw. Raw needs a a shot in the arm, right now. I don't know. They need to play some some very strategic chess, to be honest with you. But I think Finn Balor is going to get the title from Roman, and Finn is going to drop the title. But to Brock, Brock, if Brock wins that title. Mm-hmm. That means Roman and Brock never faced each other. And that storyline could, could continue for the foreseeable future. Because I love the, the cowardice Paul Heyman. I love him in that role. Fearing Roman Reigns and fearing Brock Lesnar. I love it. I think it's it's great. Um, we talked, we discussed last night that Big E and the New Day need to get a little bit more serious. Will that happen? I don't know. I guess time will tell there. Um, there we go. Okay. I lost you for a second. Okay. I apologize. That's okay. But you saying Brock going Brock's going to SmackDown. Right. And Roman goes to Raw. And Roman goes to Raw. Wow. I don't think this Brock Lesnar Roman Reigns thing is gonna happen. It's gonna be a threat for a long period of time. You, okay, you you're saying it's not happening yet. I don't think so. I think they're going to do Lashley and Lesnar first before anything. Lashley and Lesnar first? Mm-hmm. So is Lashley going to SmackDown? I think so. Mm, so we what? You get Lashley and Lesnar and Saud? No, you okay, you doing you say you're gonna do Finn and And Lesnar. A reg and regular Finn Balor, right? It could be Not regular. It could be regular Finn Balor, yeah. Okay. And I think um, now here's here's another thing, another another kitch in the uh, in the uh, in the quote unquote storyline telling. It's very possible that Roman Reigns faces Big E in Saudi Arabia for the WWE title. It's very possible. But we'll see. We're going to see what happens this Sunday on pay-per-view. I, I, have, some, I have some interesting takes on this. Um, what else? I'm trying to think what else. Um, I don't think there was... Wrestling news-wise, I don't think there was anything else. Um... 
this is going to be weird. Ben Balor beats Roman Reigns. Yeah. The demon beats Roman Reigns. Uh-huh. Yep. You do Finn Balor, Brock gets the title, carries it to what? Mania, and you do Brock and Bobby at Mania? Something like that. With Roman and and Big E win. Mm. I probably would do it in Saudi Arabia. Wow. Oh, wait a minute. Okay, so you say <laughs> Roman's going to lose his way into another title match. Exactly. He'll just lose one title and gain another. Wow. And that leads up to a mania who? Roman and who? Because, you know, you said they're doing the two nights. I have no idea. That one I got to think about. It could still be Big E. Big E gets his rematch. Mm -hmm. Maybe Maybe he wins the Royal Rumble or some bullshit like that. Mm. So, I still, I still don't see Roman losing that title, man. But I, I, I kind of understand what you're saying. They're gonna, they got to get Roman to Raw at this point, right? Yeah. So Fox is gonna let them. You know, Fox ain't got no say so over that. They can't be like, what the hell you doing, Vince? They, they, they do. But has that ever stopped the WWE? Yeah, they did it with the Fiend. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Because the Fiend, didn't the Fiend, isn't the Fiend the one that brought the belt to SmackDown, right? Yeah. If I can remember. Yep. He bought, yeah, uh, he bought the uh, Universal title over there. Um, that's when Brock beat Kofi. Yep. And took the title to Raw. Exactly. And speaking of Finn um, Balor, it looks like, uh, a teaser was thrown out on the internets that Finn Balor could be facing John Cena at WrestleMania. So, what? Yes. Or taking him out of that match at uh, <laughs> SummerSlam. I guess. He's looking to get penance, penance for that. I guess so. Uh. Because they have been doing a lot of crazy, like, triple threat, two champions in triple threat match last night, which made no sense. Neither title on the line. Has that ever been done before? I don't think so. Two world champions in a match with neither title on the line. (laughs) A triple threat, none title match, both champions. Yes, WWE for you. It's WWE for you. I'm reading here a, a quote from Rene Dupree. For those of you that recall, Rene Dupree was a, uh, a SmackDown superstar back in 2004 or 2005. Rene Dupree did what? I'm going to read you a quote from Rene Dupree. He was on Booker T's podcast recently. 
Or no, he was on. Uh, no, I, I take that back. He was on that that '90s wrestling podcast, and this is what he said. Um, this was in regards to some backstage shenanigans during his time with the company. What did he could be the world champion? No, this is back backstage shenanigans of what they did to him. Oh. Apparently, the Undertaker set out some orders on Rene Dupree because he refused to go out drinking with the boys. So apparently, he claims that the Undertaker did the fo- ordered the boys to do the following. And this is the quote. They took my $500 shoes and my $1,000 suit and they ruined it in the shower because I didn't go out drinking at a bar the night before because nobody invited me. That's just materialistic shit. You can replace that. That doesn't bother me. What really bothered me is when in Italy the next night they took my French flag, my heritage, they shoved it in, <laughs> they shoved it in the toilet and pissed and shit all over it. I don't know what bullshit world we live in, but my in my world that's called racial discrimination. That real that was really hurtful. What did I what I did was I went to Arn Anderson, who was the agent, and I asked him, Arn's advice to me was don't sell it. I was like, okay. The next person I went to was the Undertaker. And I said, What do you do when someone does this to you? And he goes, Well, you'll find out who does it. He ordered them to do that to me because I didn't go out drinking with him and the guys at the bar. So, huh. so don't screw around with The Undertaker now. Yeah, this is the same guy that was going to beat up Shawn Michaels if he didn't do the job. Jesus Christ. But he's a, he's a, he's a habitual crybaby, though. So... Um, Uh, we've got an update from Triple H. Uh, he sent out a tweet earlier today. This is his first comments since undertaking uh, going under the knife for that heart procedure. I've been blown away by the outreach and support from so many people. I'm recovering, doing well, and deeply grateful for all the love in my life. Especially grateful for Shawn Michaels and all the superstars and crew at WWE NXT. Steph and the girls loved the snacks. See you soon. Apparently they sent uh, a gift basket. Uh, to Triple H at home. And he's reportedly started taking phone calls again. So. Another story that I want to, uh, um, I want to see something here. I want to, um, I want to address something that Dave Meltzer said. Dave Meltzer said that uh, assessed AEW's value already and said that AEW is worth over $400 million. I don't... I don't... buy it. Hmm. That's Dave Meltzer marking out for AEW. And we're going to end end the show on this because it was a big topic of discussion on the Midnight Jury, I believe, on Saturday. But it was just announced today, okay, 
we're we're gearing up. Halloween is right around the corner, right, Tony C? Last I checked, it was on the 31st of October. So here we go. Do you know who Cassandra Peterson is, uh, Tony C? No. Well, when I tell you what her stage name is, you will know who she is. Cassandra Peterson has revealed her 19-year relationship with another woman in a new memoir. Of course, we don't know who Cassandra Peterson is. But we do know who Elvira is. The Mistress of the Dark. That's who Cassandra Peterson is. She has come out of the closet and has had a girlfriend for the oh, past wow. 19 years. So... So yeah. So Lee. so Lee, I don't know how you feel about that. Uh, <laughs> you know, because uh, yeah, Elvira was, uh, you know, I don't know. She was a looker. She was a looker, she was but a looker. but she's a looker. But when she's not in her Elvira garb, and she's just Cassandra Peterson, she she ain't half bad. So uh, so yeah. But. Uh, Oh, yeah. By the way, by the way, she's a it's a, her 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 partner's apparently a butch. I think. Oh damn. Um. Whatever. No, no. Let me see here. Yeah, I don't know because it's it's a they met at the gym, so. Gym. Yeah. I didn't do nothing while I was there, but I got to the gym. And when I saddled up to the bar and I looked at that cheap industrial grade carpentry, uh, I believe we're coming up on, the, uh, if that has not already passed, I believe it has. Uh, that happened uh, the beginning of September, so. Yep. Anyways, and the stage is set in Arthur Ashe Stadium. They have uh, constructed the ring and and things like that. So it's going to be interesting uh, tomorrow for Dynamite uh, at Arthur Ashe Stadium. Oh, you want to know what? Uh, um, you know what I saw the other day because I'm looking at something that just passed by on my thing, and we're gonna. This is the final thing I'm gonna talk about here. I, it damn near blew me away what I saw walking walking the other day. I was, uh, this was about two weeks ago. I was walking in the mall, and Tony C., what do you think I saw? Take a wild guess of what you think I saw at the mall. He's thinking, folks. Oh, that question, Dublin? I'm sorry. Yeah, what, cut what, what, what do you think I saw two weeks ago walking in the mall that damn near knocked me over? Uh, two weeks ago? Two weeks ago. Walking? I was walking. An alligator? In, nope. <laughs> Please. In the mall? Oh, you said in the mall. Okay. Uh, it was a celebrity or something? No, not a celebrity. But when I tell you, you're going to be, goddamn. Okay, what did you see? 
I saw for the first time in probably 25 years a brand a a what? A fanny pack? No. A brand new arcade. Oh, yeah. In the mall. I'm walking and I and I look to my to my left and I and I see all these neon lights and I'm like what the hell is this? And I I did like the 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 thing from Mall Rats like what the hell is this shit? And I look in it's a full blown old school arcade. Afterburner and all. Oh my god. I damn near was like I was I was I was shaking to my core when I saw that. I was like, "What the hell is an arcade doing open in a mall in 2021?" This is a mall, by the way, that I used to work in. That's down the street from my house. So I know the mall very well, so I know that that arcade is new. Hmm. <laughs> so. Um, that mall at one time had an arcade, you know, in the nineties when I was a kid, we used to go there all the time, but, oh my God, I couldn't believe it. I got, I got a little emotional. With a tear in your eye. And a roll of quarters in my pocket. (laughs) That's how your, that's how my mom used to get, get, get rid of me for a couple of hours. Here's a roll of quarters. I'll pick you up uh, at four o'clock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, yeah, damn, it was it was nice. All right, so let's uh, recap what's going on here on the network, and uh, things will continue tomorrow night at uh, at uh, well let let me let me preface this by saying uh, you may or may not get the marked order podcast because they did this last Thursday, and I didn't know it. Uh, because they actually were at Dynamite last Wednesday. So they were not live on the air on Wednesday. In fact, they taped the show on Thursday. So I don't know if anybody from that group, because they're they're up there in Jersey and in the New York area, they may go to, uh, to Queens and go to Arthur Ashe Stadium. So uh, there may or may not be a live episode of the Mark Order podcast tomorrow after Dynamite. Um, if if it is, if if they're not, they'll be live on Facebook on Thursday, uh, at ten o'clock or ten fifteen, whatever it is. Friday, Turnbuckle Throwbacks will be live at seven o'clock with Phil and Jay. They'll talk about the weekend wrestling. More comments on what's going on, the fallout of the Ric Flair situation, um, and cancel culture, by the way, because that's part of the issue. The Shiny Wizards live 7 o'clock on Monday night. This program next Tuesday live at 9 p.m. We're going to rebroadcast this past Saturday's Midnight Jury tomorrow at 8 o'clock right here on Rant EM Radio. So you can definitely tune into that. And um, and that's that. Tony, see any final thoughts from you, sir? Everybody enjoy, you know, the week. Uh, another great show. 
I agree. Um, enjoy all these premieres this week. A lot of thought-provoking... You know. uh, Scintillating conversation. Exactly. And, um, yeah, we're going to see everybody next Tuesday. All right. After Extreme Rules. After Extreme Rules. We'll, have, we'll recap what happened at Extreme Rules. With that said, for Tony C, I'm Double A. Have a good night, everybody.